0: This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Today, we come to the end of Jesus' sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 1, I mean chapter 5, 6, and 7. It is the end with a parable. It's also uh, the end of my pastor here at Old South. And the word that Jesus gives to us is one that helps us. It's necessary for us to build for tomorrow. Our reading comes from... Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat. On that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand the rain fell the floods came The winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Let us pray. Jesus, the words that you give are given out of love so that we may live wisely. Our prayer is that you would speak interpreting for us what it is that you want us to do with this word that we hear, so that we may be wise and stand against any storm. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. None of us likes to hear bad news. There was a couple that got married in their midlife, having buried their first spouse. The couple dated just briefly. They were still getting to know one another. And their wife had previously planned to travel with some of her friends to Europe only three weeks after the wedding. Her new husband encouraged her to keep with the plans, and she was hesitant to do so. but. After persuading her, she consented. And she left her husband in charge of her dog, Fifi, and to look after her mother. So the plan was that she would fly on with her friends. They, the couple lived in California. And in New York, before she got on her new flight, she called her husband and asked how things were going. And he said, oh honey, Fifi died today. His wife was stunned. Stunned not only by the news, but by how her husband delivered the message. She said, why why did you do it so matter-of-factly? He said, well how should I have said it? She replied, well if Fifi had died, when I called from New York, you should have said, well, honey, Fifi's out on the roof, but I think that I can get him back safely. And when I got to Paris, you could, should have said, honey, Fifi fell off the roof and is hurt quite badly, but I, I'm, I believe that Fifi will pull through. And when I arrived in Geneva, you could have said, darling, Fifi didn't make it. Fifi has died. Well, that would have given me some time to get ready for such news. And how is mother? And he said, well, she's out on the roof, but I I think I can get her down. Jesus' parable is something like that. He he sounds as abrupt as hearing news on Fifi. Jesus speaks plainly. What is it that he says? Everyone is building a house. A storm comes to every house. And the house that is built on firm foundation will stand. Now let's look at what this means. Everyone is building a house. Your life is like a house. You build it by the choices you make, the work that you do, the things that you think about, read or watch on a screen, the way you use your money. Someone's house tells you a lot about them. If you came into our house, and went down into the downstairs study that Jim uses, you would notice that he has sports paraphernalia. He has athletes' pictures on the wall. He has baseball diamonds framed. He also has pastoral books and discipleship books, ministry book. If we came to your house, would we see? art on the wall, or moose antlers and taxidermic sporting fish. We don't know until we see a house. Jesus likens our life to building a house. The life that we're building is who we are becoming, and we cannot avoid the building that we are undertaking. It takes place one choice at a time. There's a story about a man who who wanted to give his whole life to God. And he said, "God, I give you everything. Take me. I'm yours." To his surprise, the man received this gigantic sack of quarters and a voice from heaven saying, your life is worth more than you realize. But if you really want to give it to me, give me one quarter at a time. Isn't that what we do? Hour by hour, decision by decision, giving to God what we have? Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said, sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an action and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. Who are you becoming? Everyone is building a house, but not everyone builds on a firm foundation. In ancient Israel, there were only two ways to build. One was on rock. The other, well, there were no forms. There was no cement. It would be sand. Build your house on rock or sand and hope for the best. Jesus says everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise person who built the house on rock. Jesus' word is not a new law. Jesus' word is fulfilling and interpreting all that has taken place in the Hebrew Scripture, the Old Testament. He's opening the door and saying, this is what it looks like on earth. Do this. And so we find ourselves almost mirroring by putting Jesus' word into action, what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 1. Their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all they do, they prosper. Do you know anyone like that? Yesterday was the graveside service and committal of ashes of B True, who used to sit right there in the pews. B was born in Oklahoma territory. Her mother died when she was five years old. Her father, who was an attorney registering the Cherokee Indian nation, became progressively blind. She became his eyes. She was his secretary. She helped him to succeed. She married uh, a man named David True, who went early in their marriage off to World War II, was a gunner, and came back with what we now would call PTSD. He needed institutional care. He was a shell of the person that left. B remained true in her faith, which she heard in church, taught to her by her father. When I got to meet her, she was living on Cherry Street as a widow, having raised three children, having a very full career. And her Bible was open, underlined. She was She was applying what she read to her life. We could say who knew her, who honor her, even with the flowers that were presented yesterday, that she built her life on a foundation. Is your life built on the word of the Lord? Or are you building it? on something like sand. The Bible commentator Dale Bruner writes, not to do Jesus' words is tantamount to doing a great deal. Namely, to have built the house of one's life on the sand of a perishable philosophy of life. It is the decision to live by someone else's words. For we all live by someone's words. Whose words do you live by? What is your life built on? It is vital to know. Because a storm comes to every house. Jesus describes it in verse 27. The rain fell. The floods came up violent winds blew and slammed against the house it sounds a lot like the devastating hurricanes that blow through florida and all in the caribbean islands some of you have been through them yourselves a few years back jim and i had annie living with us who was from Florida and she shared that the Florida school systems build in hurricane days into the school calendar. Just like we have snow days built in to our calendar in Massachusetts. But meteorological storms are not the only storms that strike us. There are storms that do threaten to undo us like the sudden death of someone we love or like receiving a life-threatening diagnosis or experiencing the breakup of a marriage or financial ruin or collapse of a government and society such as is happening in Ethiopia, such as is happening in the in the Democratic Republic of Congo that Tyler Lineker told us about last week. Eddie Hillesom. She was a 27-year-old Jewish woman in Holland when the Nazis came into power. And in her book titled, An Interrupted Life, The Diaries of Eddie Hillisom, 1941, to 1943, she writes, They sit there, talking quietly and quite unsuspecting, and suddenly their need erupts in all its nakedness. Then there they are, bundles of human misery, desperate and unable to face life. What storm... Have you faced? It won't be your last. Let me tell you about Barbara Blankenship. A friend I left in Colorado Springs when Jim and I moved to Massachusetts. Barbara sparkled. She was smart, she was funny, she was well-educated, well-traveled. She invested in individuals and in civic organizations. Barbara was generous with her time and her hospitality. She opened her beautiful home to many, many groups along with her husband. Barbara and I were partners in ministry, and we saw people growing in faith and in love and in joy. Nine years ago, without warning, Barbara suffered a cerebral vascular accident that left her a quadriplegic. Within a few months, Barbara's husband, who looked in the prime of life, died of cancer. A few months after that, her house was sold in order to pay the medical bills. Barbara. Now, a quadriplegic widow moved into a nursing home. In less than a year, she lost her health, her husband, and her home. A storm will come to every house. No one is spared. A house with a foundation is not shielded from storms. The foundation supports the house during the storm to keep it from falling. It does not protect us from trouble. Jesus' words that are put into action protect us in trouble. But a house built without a foundation will collapse and great will be its fall. We know from the news that more than half of the 12-story condominium in Surfside, Florida fell to the ground in the middle of the night on Thursday with 159 people either crushed to death or trapped beneath the rubble. How could such a thing happen? The condominium was built In 1981 on reclaimed wetland ever since 1990 it's been known to be sinking but who could imagine such a great fall Jesus wants us to be wise he wants us to be informed he leaves the decision to us on what are you building finally The house that is built on a firm foundation will stand. Jesus tells us plainly that our destiny is determined by the foundation we choose. Hearing and putting Jesus' words into practice is not idealism. It is what discipleship is all about. There are many in this congregation who can tell you the truth, testify to their own experience that there is power in living in an interactive, authentic relationship with the risen Lord by hearing and putting Jesus' words into action together with other followers of Jesus who commit themselves to one another and to God. It's one quarter at a time, one decision after another. They are building their lives for tomorrow, built on a firm foundation that is secure through any storm. Barbara Blankenship lived the rest of her life in a nursing home. She took up painting, which she'd never done. One of them is hanging in the living room right off the fellowship hall. She did that with a brace and using her shoulder, She got an Alexa and would have Alexa play beautiful music. She got in a van every Sunday in her wheelchair accompanied by a nursing home assistant and was in worship sitting in the aisle. She formed a welcoming committee for the nursing complex so any new resident would find in her a friend. She opened her small room to a prayer meeting once a week where other residents would wheel in and pray for one another's family and for the other residents and for all the staff and their burdens. Barbara spent two years memorizing Paul's letter to the Philippians because she felt like she was in a prison in her body and in her in her nursing home room, and yet there was joy. There was life. Barbara contracted COVID this year, developed pneumonia, was put into hospice care. I asked her on the phone what it was like, and through gasps, she said, I'm practicing contentment. It was a few weeks later I called, this time on FaceTime, saw her propped up in bed with her oxygen prongs in her nose, and she had a a raw, scraped off side of her face. What happened, Barbara? She told me that in the middle of the night, she had fallen in between the medical bed and the wall and was pinned there. No one came in. And I said, what was that like? What did you do? And she said, I kept saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you know what, Sarah? I can. She went home to glory on April the 25th. Friends, Barbara's house was not knocked down. She built her life on Jesus Christ and his word. And when the storms came, one after another, her house did not fall. What are you building your life on? Is it firm? Is it Jesus Christ and his word? I close with a story about this church and its foundation. In 1740, an itinerant Anglican preacher, George Whitfield, returned to the colonies on his second voyage. And he came to Boston... And he preached at Old South Church. And there were people from the churches in this area who went down to hear him. And their hearts were warmed. And they heard the gospel. And they heard that it was a decision. And they believed. And they found themselves new. A new life. A new birth. Through faith in the grace of Jesus Christ. And the regenerating spirit, they began to be in each other's homes. They gathered, and they read Scripture, and they prayed. And then they went to a barn on Joppa Flats and were worshiping there. And they, they outgrew that. They, they built a little church up on High Street in 19. 19- in 1746. And that was the beginning. We're celebrating 275 years this summer of this church. But 16 years, 17 it was it was it was 16 years after they heard Whitfield preach. After they had given themselves to discipleship, after they had experienced that new life, 16 years later, they built this church on Federal Street, the Kings. Uh, Jerry Mullins, you know the name of it, King Street. What, What happened is that something real had taken place. And they named it Old South, because it was, it was when it began, they heard, and it never ended. And it was ready to be built. And this church has been a missionary sending church, a commissioning church. This church has been giving to soup kitchen, being the soup kitchen during the British embargo. This church is built on a foundation. This Past uh, spring, the steps had to be replaced. And I had the opportunity to see the foundation. It's rock. And on top of that rock, there are bricks that are made specifically to withhold the weight. And on top of that are the studs. The foundation holds. And this, this church has experienced storms. There was schism in the 1800s. There, there was, there was uh, attrition where, where, where people kind of got lost in just being church, and it began to get weaker in dwindling numbers. There's been fear and uncertainty. When I was first installed within a week and a half, we had vandalism, do you remember that, and theft. And then a year and a half later, We were struck by lightning. And then a year and a half later, there was fire in the sanctuary. That's another reason I'm leaving. It's time. (laughs) It's time before anything else happens. But Christ is the firm foundation. Paul says, what are you going to build on? Gold, silver, precious stones. See, this is a... These withstand fire. That's another metaphor for a storm, a testing. They will withstand. But if you build with wood or hay or stubble, anything less than what would be fitting for the Lord in his temple, it will not survive. It will go up in smoke. Build for the future. Build in fellowship, in ministry, in outreach, in discipleship. Build in order for the children to have a place to hear the story, to see lives in action that are following Jesus Christ. The life and the church that is built on Jesus Christ will remain until we see him face to face and see one another as well. Let us pray. Lord, as I offer the prayer, pastoral prayer for the last time in this place, I commend to you where you have started. We thank you for those who have preached the word, which comes from your word. It's a living word. For those who have believed, for all the lay people through all these centuries that have labored and who have put your word into action. I thank you for this congregation. I thank you, Lord, for the elders and the deacons and for the musicians and for the church administrator, Maureen. I thank you, O Lord, for the way that you have been working in this membership, moving us to see with your eyes and feel with your heart. Lord, I commend everyone to your care, that you would show them that they have a bag of quarters and that the next decision can be for you. And that's all that they can give is the next decision, the next step of faith. I pray that you would use this church in a mighty way. We don't even know how to ask how you would use it, but would you use whatever is in your plan and let nothing hinder it. Guard each life from the coming storms, the health, O Lord, of Jim Furneaux, the the sorrow and the experience of Al Luderer, as his mother Hilda is in hospice, for those, O Lord, who do live with chronic, life-threatening disease, and you know them by name. And Lord would be profound. Because of you, Jesus, the cornerstone. We make our prayer in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.